0: I know very well what you represent. You represent the idiocy of today. You see, you're one of the morons I've been fighting my whole life. My whole fucking life. But guess what? Today,
1: I win. And you win too. Welcome back to the fourth season. So I've been so fucking sick I had to get a PTSD specialist to come and join me on the show. (laughs) Right now I'm sitting in a hospital office that I broke into eating chocolate donuts. Probably got two more hours before I get busted. We're going to have C2 on every show now. Because I'm too fucking sick to do it by myself. And I have to use non copyrighted fucking music from here out. Which fortunately I have an access to. Hope you enjoy this little track. I don't know who the fuck it is. Protobiotic. Pro- proctophobic. <laughs> Anyway, welcome back to the fucking show, guys. Let's enjoy this uh, breaking and entering session that I've done and record an episode from in the hospital. Enjoy. I'll see you in a bit.
2: So, that's, you know, she just... I was watching uh, Trailer Park Boys live at Red Rocks. Mm. And uh, I remember how... That was, like, the last good day I ever had. It was, like, August of 2001. And then the next month, you know, was 9-11. Yeah. And everything's been a fucking shitball fucking hamburger fucking since then. And, uh... Yep. But I was up all night because I kept fucking thinking about that fucking text... That either Chainsaw or fucking one of her little fucking friends sent to me. You know? And as soon as it says, you need to do something from one of these assholes, it's a death threat. Just straight up. It's a fucking death threat. That's how I feel. And I've been on nerve. I tried to make some coffee for me and Sally this morning. She said I did a good job. And I think she thought I was okay. I tried to tell her I wasn't before she did it. And she just jumped up behind me, you know, and wanted to see what was what I'm looking at on my phone again. And I was like, get the fuck off me. And it's kind of hard to say that to a 70-year-old lady when you were a fucking six-foot gorilla.
1: <laughs>
2: you know? And I but I was just like, you gotta get the don't fucking do that to me. And then, you know, she's one of these people that likes to pout when you fucking scald them, you know, because they love you and they're wondering why you're mad. It's like, well no, you just triggered out my PTSD. It's so hard to fucking have to explain over and fucking over again. Well,
0: hopefully you only have to explain it to her once, or did you have to explain it multiple times?
2: No, this is a different run for us where you know the the first time I was here, she rescued me out of Philadelphia from the virus. And I uh, and she's like closer to she's between Portland and Mount Hood. That's Gresham, if you know where the fuck that is. And uh, it's just Redneckville, Trumpville. You know, you got some fucking whacked ass church that likes to fucking you know play favorites with the community and. And not invite the rest of the community. It's just one of those huge churches that fucking is white. It's white privilege as fuck, you know. And uh, you know, Sally's an anarchist, and she just sits here and watches this shit like, whatever. These guys are fucked in the head. <laughs> and uh, you know, Sally's a pirate, and Sally's got the same fucking mental illness that I I do really. She's just really? A, yeah, she's just a seventy year old woman with it, and. You know, we love each other. And she's like this mom. And you know, I just lost my mom, mom. Not not my grandma gutter punk mom, guys. She's still around. She's hurting still. And prayers to my mom here in New Orleans that I call my mom who adopted me, you know. But my mom, mom, <laughs> you know, my real sister just called me up. Like I said, she fucking told me that, you know, she was dead died a few weeks ago, and, uh, you know, maybe this is that reset episode, you know, where I was going to do the one about how I uh, met that Sin Eater shaman, and you had some theories about that, right, C2?
0: Um, I actually have experience with them.
2: <laughs> yeah, I wanted to hear that a little bit later.
0: Because I can't get a
2: hold of the guy. He said he would do the show. But I don't know what he would really say anyway. I don't think he has the... Uh, he's kind of drunk too. But he, yeah. just, he just found his family. And he did that in front of me. Um, and had met somebody that was kind of witch. Like a witch or whatever. I don't know what they were. But they found his parents, you know. Tracked him down, and uh, he worked from he went from working this shitty job. And I'd let him stay at my house sometimes and smoke him out. But he would come over too drunk, and I couldn't let him over all the time. You know, it's just one of those fucking drunk punks. I got respect for the motherfuckers, and I get why they're drunk. But I don't have the luxury of joining them anymore. <laughs> you know, and if I did, even when I did, they were still a little too rough for my ass anyway. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> I remember the days, but those ended a long time ago. I mean, my kid's fucking 26 now, you know, but you know, I, I hit that reset thing, you know, that was it. It was November 11th, you know, uh, the 11th month, 2020. I feel like every eleven eleven on the decade dial, it fucking resets. That's what I, you know, kind of have always felt like. I remember like um the Sin Eater tried to help me. Uh, along with another magician, who I'll just call Indra. Um, and a uh Indra was kind of the weaker one. And then the Sin Eater guy is too hardcore, right? <laughs> I need some kind of finesse (laughs) to get this fucking chainsaw residue out of my fucking system so I can move forward. And uh, not only that, but she character assassinated me. And the whole fucking town of Georgetown, because I don't go this certain way, just started turning against me one by one. And when uh, women started harassing me, guys... If a woman harasses, I'm going to yell right back at him. I'm going to tell you, you know. I'm going to yell at them the same way they're yelling at me. And uh, Or if you're harassing me, I'm going to call you on your shit. And I called this one woman out on her shit, this younger woman. And uh, that's when everybody started turning against me. So, you know what, you guys can... I hope you're hearing this and you can go fuck yourself. And um, definitely Georgetown... You guys can fucking die. <laughs> and that's exactly how I fucking feel about it today. Because mm. I'm dealing with S&H. And that's my little keyword. Yeah, um, Yeah, man. I uh, wanted to do this episode. I'll, we'll probably edit all this all out. But it's, you know, it's going nonetheless. I wanted to do one about my grandma and i'm going to save that 1111 reset episode but i didn't know if this should be the 1111 reset back to the beginning episode because my grandma sugar was the one that knew i had vision when i was a kid and no one else did so what do you think about that <laughs>
0: I think that talent actually is pretty common and gets beaten and smacked out of kids before they get too far with it if you're able to hold on to it for this long that's a good sign of inner core strength
2: they try to beat the shit out of me and these demons you know psychologically break me down my whole life where other people it wasn't happening to them man you know and they still ended up like using whatever pain they experienced, which was just really kind of an nth of the pain, I thought. And they'd end up on drugs anyways. I thought it was weak. <laughs> you know, like, why? I mean, is it, It's that hard, that little bit, you know? I was like, I dare you to go through fucking a quarter of the shit. You know, that's why this fucking show's here. Because there are people who have been through a quarter of the shit like I have.
0: Oh yeah. mm-hmm. I want to unpack something for you that I noticed in your bit of talking there. and The behavior from Chainsaw and Associates that you've described is pretty classic narcissistic personality disorder. Uh, it's some touch of cluster B in it because if, hmm. uh,
2: That was what I came up with too, actually.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you'll see the use of proxies you know, you know everybody else to reinforce her and then Uh, When a narcissist needs fuel, they'll find a person who's the most inconvenient and fuel-rich. And since you have PTSD, you're going to get the biggest reaction, the highest quality fuel. So it's really easy to actually bounce you back and forth on the I love you, I hate you, come here, go away, until you actually shatter. Uh, But you left. And so when you left, she actually collated and brought together all of her proxies, which are people that only see her good side and then tells everybody a version of the story, and then actually these proxies can go out and attack, or, you know, they reinforce and socially isolate a person that's at the narcissist shit list, and then they try to wring the last bit of fuel out of them by causing them stress and ostracization from the local people. Yeah, to me it's just pretty classic. Uh, I mean, it's really a low-level narcissistic personality disorder with a touch of personality in there. Uh, I mean, she's run out of fuel, and you can't expect her to get better because she's not a predator, and she's actually a pathogen, and pathogens can't be reasoned with. It's just they're always going to be compelled to do their actions. Predators you can give a good smackdown, and they'll move on. We've met a couple people like that back in the day in Boulder. But pathogenic people, they can't be displaced. You just have to They just keep trying to reinfect or act in that manner. They can't control that, but it doesn't excuse it.
2: Well, I'm just. I'm glad that you uh, had broke that down because uh, you know it gives this non like oh I feel sorry for Adam bullshit. I don't watch your fucking not you, but out there in Radio Land, you I don't I don't want your fucking sympathy okay? I want a realistic look at what's going on. And that's why I got C2 on the show, because he can do that without emotional value where my ass is riddled with emotional value, <laughs> and will fucking, like, let you know on the PTSD end, but now I got a balancer, see? You don't just hear me fucking drifting off into the void, you know, which I figured, you know, eventually would cause some kind of David Koresh or fucking Mooney Colt Kind of reaction. I'm not trying to do that. So if I got C two on the show, then that prevents any kind of cult reaction that would come out of my own personal hatred for a lot of shit, dude. Well,
0: I say sure you want to instruct other people. You've told me that too. To show by the damage you take to help prevent it or help others. So I mean, don't discount yourself then.
2: I won't. You know, but like I said, you know, it's just uh, it's a rare opportunity to have a PTSD specialist. And, uh, you know, um, we did the episode failures together (laughs) and that was fun. And, you know, we did a a couple together and then, um, I didn't realize that you had actually worked with people who have PTSD. So like, uh, and just like a long ass, you know, track record of Mm -hmm. doing it too.
0: Well, you know, I was overseas, off and on, for twenty years in undisclosed places, and I'm dealt with a lot of PTSD in myself. I used it to help others, and I'm sure I inflicted my share on the world. But um, Mm -hmm. yeah, everything's a balance. Being a Libra, you know, that's how we are.
2: (laughs) That is how we are. Um, You know, I uh, here in the fourth season, it's weird that it has gotten this far. I'm with Sally, and, you know, she's very supportive, man. You know, she knows when I'm sick. And, uh... She knows when she's crossing boundaries. I think she's really, like, one of these people who have, like, taken the time to actually really try to... And, And she adores me, man. You know? And she's a Libra. And, yep. And, uh, her whole thing, she's a pirate, you know? Yeah. And, uh... Like an anarchist, elder witch, pirate—that's <laughs> what she is.
0: You think all of us have some complex titles if people looked at the whole tapestry? <laughs> yeah, we know.
2: it's just such a fucking country buffet of uh, personalities to to choose from, you know, on on Earth now. I mean, I think we can all agree with that. <laughs>
0: A whole bunch of shit. (laughs) It's like,
2: dude, (laughs) you can combine a bunch of them, man. You know? Um, no. You know, the Elder episode, right? The Reset episode, the episode that talks about sugar. I don't know what to go with here, but, uh, there are definitely three separate episodes we're going to come back to again. And, uh...
0: There's nothing to go with here except you and just processing and... Oh,
2: are, yep. <sighs>
1: it's yeah. interesting.
0: On a clinical note, you know, your vocabulary and the timber, tone, and resonance of your voice changes when you talk about Sally. So it's very easy to discern that you do actually have a respect for her and a love and a trust of her and a willing to be vulnerable around her, and I do feel... Um, fear and regret that when you get triggered around her it's nobody's fault but you're actually feeling the dysfunction of that trigger and worry around it so i mean it's a very legitimate feeling because you do change tone and everything timbre voice metrics vocabulary it's actually a very beautiful thing to see
2: well i actually appreciate that i guess you know i've it feels a little exposed, but yeah that's that sounds about right, and uh it reminds me that i that I give a fuck about shit, I guess <laughs> you know
0: it's, I, you know my superpower for being vulnerable, and it's yours too. It's just harder for you to actualize at this point is that I always joke that I was patient like a tank, and somebody's like, "What the hell does that mean?" and I was like. Well, it just means that I know I can take enough damage to actually let myself be open to experiences, and that if it's too bad, I can freaking annihilate it. And you have a lot of that same feeling. You leave yourself open to a lot more experiences because you have survived so many negative experiences, and you are still searching for a positive experience. So the ability to be vulnerable... And trust your ability to survive if it doesn't work out is something you have subconsciously so far, uh, but you just haven't developed full trust in yourself. But the fact that you do constantly expose yourself is not a sickness. It is a desperate search for some humanity among humanity. So, I mean, never give up being vulnerable. You know, you get smarter with it over time and learn how to deflect the blows of idiots mentally and physically over time. But, uh you have the right path. Anybody else hearing this is like, you know, most of the dysfunction people have is the desire to be vulnerable, to be heard, to be witnessed and, you know, to truly feel witnessed and heard. You really gotta actually show part of your soul and part of your mind, part of your body, everything. And then most people are pretty damaged and have a lot of issues just from life and the complexity of it and they tend to, not be the best at accepting that, and one of the reasons I work with you so well, Adam, is simply because, you know, I've sat through the middle of the worst storms you got, and I'm just in my tank, and going, like, it's cool.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's no Wendigo. (laughs) (laughs) Wendigo,
0: girl! Anyway.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Dude, I'm never going to forget this fucking Wendigo story, right? (laughs) Like, it's just... No matter what we're talking about, you, and you're sitting in your tank, did you guys have tanks when you had, if you had a tank, you would have just blown that thing away, right?
0: Yeah, but I don't think they'd allow us to have a tank in Canada. We would have... <laughs> <tried it out. laughs> Making us use business bullets so we wouldn't actually pollute the land, which turned out to work in our favor, so, you know. <laughs> oh,
2: my God. Did it have elk horns on it?
0: Um... No, actually, the you know, horns and long and sheared or you know, entropied off or catabolized. It's kind of hard to tell. And-
2: <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay, for for people just here in this episode, man, I'm just gonna tell you what the fuck we're talking about. <laughs> there is an episode in the uh, what was it? The second season, I guess.
0: I think
2: it was, was it Don't Squeeze the Shaman or some other one. No, it was the... Uh, if you guys go back to Spooky L.A. episode number 13, yeah. that's what it's called. Uh, I'm pretty sure something like that without looking at it. That <laughs> was your experience
0: with the Skinwalker. You didn't know it was a
2: Skinwalker. Right. I, I, okay, there's a Skinwalker, the ghost of Robin Williams. That connects to the Elise Lamb uh, investigation, because he's the ghost of Robin Williams, is who brought it up, and, yeah, I, we,
0: were, <laughs> we, were, and we were part of a follow-up team that had uh, dealt with such events, and we actually did get to review the property about a year and a half after the whole event. So exactly,
2: and then while you were, we were talking about that. You brought up the Wendigo thing which connected to the Skinwalker cuz they're both Navajo. Oh
0: yeah, the world is a beautifully screwed up place of continuity if you look at it.
2: <laughs> All right, can you t- obviously can can we recap that Wendigo episode and can you just tell that that story to these guys cuz I just want to fucking hear it anyway one more time.
0: Well, I'll bullet it down a little bit. Um a, a while back, uh, about Hurricane Katrina time, if I remember correctly, we were laying in the foundations for the diamond mines up in Canada, which you now see in the ice road truckers show that they, I don't even know if that's going anymore, but we laid in the roads and the diamond mines before all that infrastructure started, and during that time period, we had... Um, communications and a transmitter shack that somebody is stationed in to actually collate and transmit out and they said they were under attack by a wild animal we grabbed our deer and headed that way we got there something tearing through the cinder block we got about halfway through the cinder block there on, what was it right side actually because it was getting towards later day and the sun was shining on it first it just looked like a bear tearing it we got close and that wasn't a bear it was a giant I, mean, I don't know, kind of hard to tell the height because it's stooped over, but, uh, you know, it was in there, and, like, we just had screw it, and then rigged our M4s and uh, shotguns, and uh, I think Mark loaded a, yeah, Mark was the one who loaded a 40 millimeter canister grenade in his 203A under M4, and we went in to shot the shit out of it, and uh, we didn't do too much against it, I mean, you could see it get taking hits and stuff, but, the shotgun started working real hardcore, and then, uh, which was kind of weird. And then oh. Mark popped up the, uh, oh. 40 millimeter canister down there, tore it apart, and he got up there and just started plugging some shots into it with the shotguns until it didn't move. And Holy all. shit. And was thinking real bad, and it was actually like not blood, it looked like a viscoid, kind of clearish gray gel, and the bone structures just seemed the harder version of it. And after mm. about, 17, 18 minutes, most of it was actually dissipated except for the skull fragments. And we bagged up the skull fragments and treated it as a hazmat. But luckily, no one got sick or anything from whatever was off-gassing. And skull fragments turned out to actually have some cesium in them, but it seemed to be a cesium occur from decay, which is unusual for a bone. And later on, I you know it's like, I'm going to skip some. You know, that stuff disappeared. I have no idea, dude. Uh, representative from company got it.
2: And he, and that's okay, because that leads into like the the main questions that I've had for you. Um, that I know that I haven't asked. Uh, were were its arms all fucking long in front of it, like like as long as it, the rest of its body, or some shit? Like a, a kind of walk, right, like an ape, but not knuckle dragging like an ape, but the knuckles were closer to the, way closer to the ground.
0: One thing I did notice about it that was unusual is the pelvic girdle was actually wide and aligned with the spine. And why that's important is that it means that it could walk as a biped for a long time. Because if a quadruped stands on its back legs, its hips and pelvis aren't designed to support the viscera. And so it causes great discomfort. So what I did find interesting is the hip girdle before most of it actually deliquesced into slime and stuff like that. Or I, I don't even know. But before I went away, I was able to look at some of the anatomy and I'm pretty conversant in it. And so it did show signs of highly persistent bipedal movement. The shoulder joints were interesting because they actually had uh, articulation of sorts, which I couldn't identify because by the time I was able to see them, they're pretty well getting gone. But it really seemed as though it had the ability to. Um, go on all fours but not designed to so it did seem something that was designed for great speed and in doing so i had articulation in the shoulder that was pretty novel and nothing short of an anatomy major or uh pretty forensics or something like that could really follow it the interesting part for all this with me was when we had no idea what we had dealt with you know i dealt with weird stuff overseas and that's different time different place but um we actually are not afraid to confront stuff like this mentally. And so we started asking a lot of the local tribes. And finally, actually, uh, we did get some r- intel back. And these creatures are supposed to manifest near elk. And some of the tribes up there believe that the shape of the elk's horn, or antlers, would actually be enough to bend reality to allow this thing through, it pops through, rips off the elk's head, because with due to conservation of matter, it can't stay here. I mean, that is also kind of based on some physics, too. So by ripping off the elk's head and slamming in on it, somehow it's able to use that to overcome conservation of matter and be persistent here. But during that process, somehow it actually um, screws with the bone structure and we start seeing cesium starting to occur in that bone structure, which is uh, something I can't explain. I've gone through and, you know, I've worked with rare earths. I know more about radionucleotide and half-life decay than most people. So, never did figure that one out, but apparently when the skull, it would literally just kind of use up the skull, and if it found another person or elk or something like that, or any skull it could, with enough mass, it'd rip it off and put it on and replace the one that was almost used up. And due to the fragileness and actual-like nature of that skull, I think it was probably on the tail edge of itself. So it Might have been he's going after with the communications area. But, you know, it's I know it sounds improbable and unlikely and crazy, but I mean, like,
2: no, you know, I believe you. I know you're not a liar, dude. You know, you know I mean, but you know, everybody like, else can, you know, who cares? It's not, it's not our business what they think about,
0: it. <laughs> you and know. Is that the lead didn't do too much damage to the damn thing. I mean, it went in and out or in and stuck. But the thing that really screwed it up was the Bismuth shotgun, pellets because Bismuth actually has a half-life. It's very, very, very long and next to nearly indetectable, but Something about the business rounds did a whole bunch of damage to it, whereas the lead rounds didn't really do that much. The canister round from the, um, the 30 millimeter canister round from the M203A, that thing's just got enough power and enough kinetic force to just shred stuff down. So, I mean, all in all, it was an interesting effect and radically different from all the windigo and what I later found out were called dogman stories and stuff like that. But I don't know. So I kind of have a doubt with some of the stories, but in other stories, I've never heard of uh, any of that classification of other than normal entity that uh, needed a head to stay here. <laughs> wow.
2: Dude. Okay. Cause <laughs> what color was the fur on it?
0: It was almost like Vanta black. It was very, very light absorbing, but, and there wasn't a sheen off it. It just kind of looked more and almost hard to look at, you know, fuzzy like a black light. But it wasn't a black light.
2: But it was because of the way the fur was on it that was meant to deceive the eye or whatever?
0: Yeah, it just looked like it absorbed light. And we got closer, I couldn't really observe that effect anymore, so I don't know if that was an active effect or if the damage had disrupted the effect or what the hell was going on.
2: Because when you hear about these guys in Navajo or whatever, they're not usually black, right? They're like white or...
0: Yeah, and it makes no sense that there would be a black creature in an arctic area to a lot of people. But if you look at it, uh, if you know the terrain up there, that terrain actually is brownish and black with silty mud and muskeg, which is a type of ground up there. So it makes sense that it could actually hover into the bushes and get down really low and flatten out and just look like part of the earth structure up there to casual. And be good movement at night because when it gets dark at night up there, you ain't seeing nothing. And who knows? Since this was summer, it could have a seasonal coat shift. For all I freaking know,
2: mm. you know, like I feel like, okay, <laughs> maybe it's not even a wendigo. Maybe it's like a totally different other creature too. You know, because <clears throat> you know, it just seems like it could be like from the fam- like a family of wendigos, or like it's like the uh like a different kind of just like there's a sasquatch and a yeti.
0: Oh, yeah, I mean, we we kind of, after researching and figuring and aligning all this stuff, which we didn't have knowledge of beforehand, actually, it was kind of a shock to actually find some of this stuff aligned, the traditional legends, but uh, that seems to, those occurrences of the head one that needs a head only really occur way, way up north, and then you get further south, and you get to the more traditional cannibalistic spirit that drives people to hunger, you know, stuff like that, and... Uh, so I kind of wonder if this uh, entity we encountered up there was actually more of the original protoform and that legends, variants, or even hybrids of it have occur further and further south because this one wasn't tricky deceptful It didn't really show a whole bunch of uh, higher brain function and it had a sloping forehead that was grammatically sloped. So that means it's free cor- front cortical tissue is actually compressed and doesn't have a lot of... Uh, like high knowledge for human reason or you know i'm probably about as smart as a pretty smart dog maybe but you know just the brain structure or the way i could have been positioned in there and once again the interior was differing shades of gray viscid, with some weird colored lines and specks in it and like i said the bones seemed to be a much harder version of this viscoid material and it almost reminded me of ballistic doll the way it took hits and the way it kinda of went apart, but the off gassing smell was fucking horrific. It Dude, smelled like <laughs> a,
2: oh, smell like what?
0: Smell like a cross between methylmer captain and uh, which is that stuff they put in natural gas so you smell it, so like massive parts. <laughs> and like a weird ammonia yeast brewery smell. God
2: and, Jesus. You know,
0: it didn't smell like rot and it didn't smell like you know the like
2: whole story the whole story is fucking crazy the whole story's it, you know i know it's true but man i know it's true but god i can only like picture get the visual and you're very descriptive in 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 you know, layout and character development, you know, as a, you're like the cartoonist companion, man. You know, if I had, <laughs> this is what cartoonists want, you know, to fucking nail the character so that the storyline moves fluidly. You know, and you, and you do it in a way. I love that, though, man. The, this guy that you guys took down, I call him the dude, you know. He's like the big Lebowski of sass of, uh, <laughs> goes. <Wendigos. laughs> He's like, I just wanted the dude just wanted his rug back, you know.
0: <laughs> That's all.
2: That's what he was looking for, right? Now, okay. I, I've been this once before. I'm like, i, ah, I here, Well, speaking of guilt, I mean, since you since you brought it up, in this scenario, and how many guys were on the team?
0: Uh, we actually had seven. We were short one because we honored him back because he had actually taken a bad exposure to hypothermia.
2: Because <sighs> what? He was just horrible up there, right? With this fucking cold yeah, ass folks.
0: He, he worked in the water past his limit because we were blasting pilings. The diamonds occur in lakes up there. Mm. Um, he worked past his limit and actually gotten into a hypothermic seizure when we rethought him because he just got too cold and couldn't get out so we yanked him out and uh, that can put some stress on the cardiovascular, and we just wanted to monitor him for a week. And, he, you know, give the guy a week off, it's fine. And he didn't do anything stupid. It was just a bad series of events, and so... And then he happened to
2: miss this thing. He, yeah,
0: but, you know, he, he was on radio with us, trying, you know, he was on radio with us. So he was there in spirit. And, okay. And, you know, we standing by if we needed That's cool. anything.
2: I don't care about that guy so much. What I care about are the guys who actually went, because... What I'm getting at is, like, did any of these guys develop any PTSD experience in this motherfucker? Since the show's about PTSD, and we've been going into... We all did. You all did? Like, did you guys... What was that like for... To to be part of, what, like, six people you said? Because he was the seventh. The guy in the water was the seventh.
0: There were seven of us. We usually operate an eight-person team when we go out. But uh, there were seven of us, and uh, the calm guy in the shed.
2: Not that I don't care about them, (laughs) but you know what I'm saying. As far as as the story, what I cared about was the Wendigo PTSD. Like, that's what you guys went through, right?
0: Speaking of that, the guy in the comm shed actually uh, was rotated out with no prejudice, meaning that um, he was allowed to quit his contract, get full contract, and get the fuck out. He was too far gone in the head. and. You know we brought him back with us. Is that what the hypothermia did
1: to him on that end?
0: It oh, fucking no, that was, a, that was a different person. The oh, communication... the guy in the communication shed, we finally got out, you know, after everything was secure. He wouldn't come out for like oh, I see. After... So finally, we you know, through a combination of just like look we're here we got the big guns things over there he was on a windowless side so he couldn't really confirm anything over there and i'm just like we need to get you out of there in case there are more come on it's getting to get it dark soon and uh finally after about i only took about 20 minutes to get him out but uh we had two heavy duty uh rigs and i'm not going to specify the make for a couple reasons but we got him in there and uh he didn't say anything we're just like hey you cool and he's just like shook his head and got in the back and you know, he actually leaned against one guy and just shaked and shuddered and, big man and, you know, credit to the other guys that worked on our team that he wasn't like, oh, God, you know, he just put his arm around the guy that was shaking, just held him all the way back. And we got back and he, we had con access, so those three containers converted into uh, personal barracks for us. You know, we had about two or three people per one separated and he wouldn't sleep alone or walk to the mess area or do anything without an armed guard. You know so he was just nice guy but he was so far compromised he couldn't do his job and we all actually half him out of there with no prejudice and the rest of us though we actually uh seven of us that were involved and you know the other guy came in too because he had heard all of our radio traffic on the other end and he had his own mild form of ptsd because he thought he was going to lose seven of his friends to something that he had no idea or any control over uh, you know, our first couple meals, we didn't say anything to each other. And actually, we didn't really talk about it for a couple of days other than work-related paperwork and stuff. And
2: that sounds I mean, extremely my- stressful shit, dude. Like, in just such a oh, unique uh, situation,
1: man.
0: Yeah, because we're trying to get this whole project <laughs> and get a runway in for planes to start bringing in machinery. We got to get roads leveled and laid. And now we got in the back of our mind that there's something out there that can end up freaking bullet spun.
2: And it looks like a fucking John Carpenter movie now, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, so, you know, the first couple days, we just kind of, other than business, not really talked about it. And the third day, we actually, uh, me and Mark got together and I said, dude, we're kind of, uh, we're not working well. We need to get together and figure it. We all sat down and mark started i followed and we just and i you know we just told exactly what we saw and exactly what we felt and you know we're pretty honest with each other because we work together overseas too our lives depend on each other so there's no point in being pulled poop and uh you know we all saw about the same stuff and the ability to share that trauma and see everybody's angle on it led to curiosity among us and that curiosity then led to exploring the phenomena and in exploring the phenomena we had less fear of it because now we believed it was something that we could understand or at least develop a system against and so we overcame our ptsd by openly acknowledging every aspect of it among each other and then utilizing everybody's fears opinions observations as a way to go about making a system that we would feel comfortable working again with knowledge of what we could do in the future. So that was the only way we really overcame that. And I know a lot of people had some shakes and issues about that for a while. We wouldn't go anywhere without a a two-man team and having heavy armament. uh, So I know the admin was pretty pissed off and really fought us on getting an extra... Supply a 40 millimeter canister or flechette rounds for the 203As, but we just made that a hey, we do this or we leave, and they did it because they know we're good workers. So it's an interesting process to overcome it, but you know, I'll say that we actually learned to deal with it as opposed to get better because I still look over my shoulder to this very day, all the way down here in Colorado.
2: I bet, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, plus you know, I know what's out there too. More more so, you know.
0: You a lot of spotlight here on a episode about your stuff. But, yeah, that's PTSD in my case. And one way that we came together as practiced individuals could be.
2: Well, there you go, guys, out there in the uh, radio land. Uh, you're never going to really hear about when to go PTSD elsewhere. But it does uh, remind me that um, of the guys coming back from – Afghanistan. Whether the story is true or not, because you don't see the photos and we only hear the stories, you know?
0: The
2: oh. giant. Um, yep, but the giant of Kandar, or however you say it. Is that how you say it? Kandar? Well,
0: kind of. There's a lot of pronunciations. So right, okay.
2: I'm a honky from Ohio. It's...
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, these guys going against... I'm laughing about the, you know, but it's not funny. It's the, you know, literal Nephilim out of the Bible. Right out of the Bible. And right out of that Wild Bill Cody story or Buffalo Bill or whatever the fuck his name was. That Buffalo trader motherfucker uh, who traded off the fucking uh, Buffalo to uh, all the Southwest uh, Native Americans throughout the any, you know, from Montana to Colorado. I don't know what his name was, but, you know, he would just herd these guys up. And
0: uh, we hope... Story until a year ago.
2: Right, but that, um, the same description that's in that story that I'm getting at, uh, where the uh, the cowboy buffalo herder dude, you know, had met up with the Native American uh, family, and the man's wife came out with a femur bone that was seven feet long. And they and uh <laughs> and, and Bill or whatever Cody, you know, we'll call him Cody for shit's sake. Uh he says, uh, what the hell's that? <laughs> and the and the, uh the husband says, um, well she's presenting you with this and this is like a giant that we my tribe had killed that had uh kept eating the buffalo and taking that them away from us and, and hurting us. Until finally we fucking surrounded his ass and just killed it. And
0: uh story they actually were able to use small arms fire probably the 4s to actually rip the shit out of it and kill it after it killed one of them.
2: I mean, you know, I think they were probably given specific instructions though on how to take it down. And that reminds me of why that thing would have had that kind of timing, you know, to to actually hurl. Come out of the cave. Well, you got, how, what's the ultimate timing? It's like right under a second with this, you know, gigantic 12-foot, what are they calling it? 12 to 18 feet tall. Giant yeah, with go. red hair coming yeah. out yeah. with this. This <laughs>
0: year you know, to be about three meters, kind of like about nine, 12 feet long, I guess. But I mean, like. An object that big made of a medium weight wood that was sharpened and just fire hardened and thrown with that force of the, the body that could be 9 to 12 feet tall would exert if actually 3 to 4 tons per square inch and all of that per square inch was focused on a tiny uh, a plate, plate and bulletproof material is not going to stand a chance against that much force. So I think that's why i was able to completely run through the first individual, despite 3A armor and a, you know, a overskin. Okay, because they just
2: need a sample of its DNA, right, to make a super soldier, a super Nephilim so, soldier.
0: The story I heard, and I didn't hear this till a year ago, is that, uh, and this is from the guy who was supposed to have uh, experienced the event and released it. Um, this, they had two helicopters come up, one to evacuate the group, and one to evacuate the large thing and one of the guys was directed with that and was taken to an airport and put on a C-130 and then that's the last he saw of it and then they were all NDA'd and sworn to secrecy non-disclosure agreement for those who don't know NDA and uh, that one guy who finally released the story uh, decided to buy it at the NDA because he has been a long time out and it had occurred quite a while ago like 2005 or something. I think. Right. He uh, figured it's time for that one to get out anyway and You know, it's strange because there have been other reports of giants, and the striking thing to me is that they always seem to have red hair. Mm -hmm. And they seem to have six fingers. And weird side note for anybody listening, extra fingers on human hands is called polydactyly. And the gene for that is actually dominant. Please feel free to look that up. So somehow our race of humans has very carefully selected to make sure that dominant gene Went away.
2: Hmm. And then anybody that would have been unfortunately born with six digits or whatever was automatically looked as a, as a Nephilim when they really just had some kind of genetic disease. Is that what you're kind of saying?
0: Well, for some reason, humanity selected against a dominant gene which caused polydactyly, which is really weird. Hmm. And it actually, since that applies almost worldwide, that's pretty. Inconceivable, but I mean, it, I've looked at the genetics of studies it myself. It's open knowledge. It's in all the codecs and all the series for genetics and stuff like that. Polydactyly, multiple fingers, is a dominant gene. How weird is that?
2: Um, yeah, it is kind of weird. I because uh, it's hard to kind of follow that too when I've never heard it before. But I'll okay. say, what I'll say is uh, is that you know uh, the nephilim account and uh specifically in the book of goliath or whatever when i don't know if that's its own book but wherever that is it's very descriptive about the six fingers and six digits
1: and how tall
2: they are um i think that's kind of the giveaway because if you find a human that has six uh fingers and that they're our size you know and you're a big dude you're bigger than me you know but uh you know, if they were your size and they had that six digits and you had six uh, fingers and six toes, you know, um, they'd be like, well, he's, he's a Nephilim, right? You know, would they, like, just experiment on you just because you have six digits and that's what matches the Nephilim gene? Because um, when they talk about Nephilim, they come off like these guys that aren't, they're not that great. There are these wild giants that fucking eat the Anunnaki in the Sumerian text. And then... What's
0: very interesting, I need to do before I forget here. And, uh, in the theme of the show, and just because I find it interesting, we're talking about for a race with no knowledge of genetics to actually select against the dominant trait because it has such negative association and they're so traumatized by it, it shows a very interesting worldwide racial trauma to anything. Within. Exactly.
2: That's kind of what I was trying to go for, yeah. Like, it automatically just, you know, you have the unfortunate shit about being born with six fingers and shit, you know, because even in the uh, Torah, they give the number of the giants, it's the only place where they give an exact number. I thought it was like a 407,000. So, you gotta imagine that if they are these guys from Nibiru and they're like already space cops that have spirit, super spirit powers, then, you know, the offspring has super spirit powers too. When they mate with the, uh, Adamic slave women, you know, and, um, and they, uh, impregnate them with these giants, you know. These guys were all like these crazy ass beings that existed, you know, in every every tribe on the planet has gods. So, I guess if you did the math on them, I guess that's what it would come to, is about 400,000.
0: And I just thought of, on a physiology note, is, uh, and I'm not familiar as you are with the mythology, but were the Nephilim supposedly immune to pain? I'm just curious.
2: No, i don't think they were immune to pain i think what happened was they just thought their shit didn't stink and they were kind of out of control and according to the Sumerian mythology the part that matches with the infamous genesis 6 2 is when marduk who you know is the spawner of the He's the spawner of the honky race, right? (laughs) According to the Sumerian text, he spawns the first honky. But that's what it is. It's Genesis 6-2. That's where it comes from. And this white supremacy that's over the entire planet right now actually spawns from Genesis 6-2. Because that's when Marduk is on Mars. And he hears about the Anunnaki, what's left of them. Because they've already become obsolete. They've already created the new Adamic slaves, you know, Uh, with my loose pronunciation, guys. Like I said, I'm from Ohio, so if you can bear with me. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, you know, basically the Ajiji on Mars, they're above the Anunnaki. They're still around. They're still processing gold from Earth on Mars into oxygen for Nibiru, if you heard that. That's exactly how the order goes. Uh, Marduk takes 200 of his most badass motherfuckers after he hears that what's left of the Anunnaki have been knocking up the Adamic slave women. And they're boring these giant kids that are eating the, what's left of the Anunnaki already and all this other shit. So Marduk gets pissed. He leads a rebellion against Nebru, and Anu knows it, and he can't get in his way because Anu, that's his, Anu's the leader of Nebru, or the, the male leader, which is different from the female leaders of Nebru. And, you know, here comes Marduk uh, with his team, like a bunch of badass bikers. He calls themselves the sons of God, and it's, it sounds a lot like how we mimic how bikers mimic uh, Marduk back in the day on these like metal chariots on the road. That's how fucking Marduk would have been coming out of Mars based just like that, like a fucking biker gang. And uh, that's what they were called, the sons of God. And that's what it says in the Bible. It says it. It says, and the sons of God saw the daughters of men and they took those which they chose. Well, the, re- the reason Marduk did that shit was because he was like, fuck that. I'm going to take whatever atomic slave women I want back to Mars. He knocks his up, okay? So he has to bring her back to Earth because that's where she's from. Nibiru high command law is very strict, and they have to have the birth on the place where the, uh, the chick's from. And so, Anu and Anki and Enlil and Cool and the Gang, they're all there, like I said before, man. I've said it on other episodes, but I'm saying it again. And it's important because people need to know why whites are out of control on the fucking planet. And I'm a white motherfucker, and I'm going to speak about it freely. You know? Uh, and, because uh, I can. Because fuck these guys. You know? To
0: jump in here real quick on something I find interesting is that uh the reason I asked about the lack of pain perception is the tallest man in the world, who was over eight foot. The human body's not really designed to go over about six and a half feet because any time somebody does, they usually have neuropathy because the nerves just don't transmit. They're just not designed to transmit that point beyond that. Uh, reach, about six and a half, seven feet is the max height we can get before we see nervous system communication problems. But I'm wondering if these large individuals had such a detachment and level of neuropathy that they would actually have lack of healing in some of their extremities and be able to take an incredible amount of damage in that process. And another interesting fact you brought up was these uh, larger people eating uh, the other people, and to me, I just suddenly remembered the Titans of the old Greek and Roman legends that would eat their children, so to speak. And I just Kronos,
2: thought, like Saturn, yeah.
0: yeah. Maybe all these Titans were actually culturally a large individuals that practiced that cannibalism, and that somehow held over through a long time of communication and a myth cycle. So, just something I wanted to put out there before I forgot or we <laughs> ran out of time.
2: We are getting close, man. This has been a great filler episode. It didn't go any way where I wanted to go, um, but I did end up calming down out of it. Um, Yeah, this morning was rough, man. I had to fucking night terrors all fucking night, you know? And uh, this is why we had to record this shit. This is my therapy. Hopefully it pays off for you guys listening to it, whoever is listening to it. I'm going to keep throwing this shit up on Anchor with uh, (laughs) breaking copyrights (laughs) and put my own original things up, even though Messenger and Instagram have cock-blocked me on sending so many out in spam boxes now because everybody kept (laughs) complaining about it, you know.
0: And I should give everybody a heads up that... uh... I will be taking and opening a YouTube channel that will be Adam's, um, and I'll be doing a lot of the technical support, and we're going to start putting a lot of these over to YouTube just simply for a wider exposure, and it's going to take us a bit of setup, but we'll start looking at and manifesting that originally in probably about a couple weeks, and then we can go from there, so there will also be a YouTube platform for the, just giving everybody a heads up, and uh, hope to see you in every single place, so
2: what c2 said y'all <laughs> okay
0: <Yep. laughs> I
2: well <laughs> i guess this is the end of i guess we're going to just call this one uh when, oh, i forget i've got facebook
0: youtube we're gonna be on youtube sorry i'm old i'm stupid you did
2: say it you did say it
0: oh i thought i said facebook i meant youtube like, okay. no you said
2: youtube
0: Okay, good. I'm pretty fucking
2: sure, unless it's a, a Wendigo effect. No, I'm just kidding.
0: have moments
2: of The Wendigo Mandela effect.
0: <laughs> I guess. <laughs> the Wendigo effect.
2: <laughs> oh my god! There's so much that there's so much crazy information in the world, y'all, right now, dude. I we're gonna try to cover as much as we can, and. Uh, You know, I'm happy for the 72-hour hold and all that shit that we did, but, you know, I'm glad that uh, it's over with, and I like this new, you know, and talking about, and thank you for sharing that story. I know that was a personal thing and not to be exploited, but you got to admit, man, that's some original ass shit having a Wendigo PTSD, you know, or... Well, in the theme
0: of the show, I think it's quite appropriate, and... I'm glad you thought of that because I was just like, "Yeah, you're right. That is a promise. That was a promise." I figured
2: as much. I mean, you're not going to just see something like that and have to violently take it down. I don't care how much Rambo you got in your ass. It's like you're not just going to fucking walk away unscathed. You're fucking human, and oh, yeah. uh, you know the badass of the badass. I'm sure there's a lot of motherfuckers that could just fucking swallow their prize as Ricky says from Trailer Park Boys they could swallow their prize but uh, you know that uh, doesn't make it that they're not feeling it in there just because you can't see it.
0: Yeah that's true and the thing is when something's like that and traumatic and then I was lucky I was with people what if I had had to do that by myself then I'd have no confirmation and always wonder how much of the trauma was real but I was lucky I was with a group of people.
2: When to go PTSD, y'all. All All right, that was the shit alarm. Um, Guys, C2, thank you for being here. Um, I got to go, you know, pay some attention to my friend here and let her know that I, I give a fuck about her and that I'm sorry for fucking having my little PTSD morning. And it happens more often than I'd like to admit, but it's just, you know, I'm suffering with it at all yeah I'm just suffering with it man. That's what I'm doing. I'm fucking suffering dude so I don't know what else to say i, I know a lot of you all are suffering with me and uh I wish that wasn't happening either until next time gang uh, <laughs> get some fucking bring down no to leave on but you know, i it's true though. You know, it is...
0: Any, any you remember out there, feel tra- traumatized, you know, come listen to a couple other people who have gone through trauma. We may not exactly know what you're feeling, but I'm sure you might stumble across an idea or two here.
1: <laughs> PTSD
2: doesn't have a happy ending, okay? It just doesn't. People need to get the fuck over it and know that this is an ongoing struggle. As long as we got a breath in us, it will always be a struggle. It will always be this ongoing fucking thing. It is for me. People need to get the fuck off my sack. You know, it's just like I gotta have empathy, so I gotta get the fuck off their sack. You know, and you know, there's a lot of that. You know, where we just need to get our foots off each other's necks. And uh, but it's hard to make the first move of peace. I get it. It is. It is the hard, to, the harder road. But you know what? I remember when I was a kid, everybody would be like, hey, that's the bigger, if you're the bigger person for doing it that way. I get, you know, and if that's the case, maybe we all, me, you, everybody should think about that when we get heated. Now, that's a good, that's a good way to leave the fucking show, right? Right
0: on, man. Well, I got to stoke the stove because it's about negative 20 up here right now. So <laughs>
2: Yeah, you're freezing your fucking stuff off.
0: No,
2: i just going to not freeze my stuff <laughs> <laughs> All right. Until next time, gang. Don't freeze your stuff off, and I'll see you here on Adam Air MD. G E D. And then uh, you want to say the underground cartoon therapy part? Uh,
0: yeah, under, underground cartoon therapy will be on YouTube in a couple weeks, and this is C2. I'll probably be running
2: into you guys more and more out there we go we'll get more fluid with our endings and uh we'll cap it off here talk to you all later